uh, is about our Kids Club uh, event that's happening the end of this month, uh, Friday, May 30th, and Saturday, uh, the 31st, and that's for kindergarten to grade 5. There's going to be skits, music, prizes, candy, and all weaving through it all is some solid biblical truth, and then all wrapped into this great superhero theme. And so there's 13 people coming from uh, City Church in Sheffield, England, and so they're coming in, they're going to help our guys, and it's going to be a great time. My kids are going, so if that attracts you or detracts you, you could just forget I said that. And uh, so I encourage you to sign up. There's more information at the welcome table. Invite your friends, and uh, we do need you to register online uh, to do that, and it is free. So good time, and let's get started. All right. So the last couple weeks, uh, starting with Joe right after the conference, and we're going to go through uh, till about the end of June, uh, we're going to look at uh, some vision and values of what we hold uh, close. Uh, so it gives a great overview of what we're all about. And so Joe started two weeks ago uh, with Jesus is Alive, and that changes everything. And then Mark, uh, last week, brought in the Being Friends enjoying God together, that because Jesus is alive, uh, one of the things that does change is that we can now be friends with God. And because we can be friends with God, that frees us to be friends with each other. And so it's a solid relational value that we want to hold close, being friends, enjoying God together. And so because of that, because we're joined together as a local church, I just want to talk this morning about this value that uh, we want to build churches empowered by God's Word and God's Spirit. So, uh, I just want to help us understand what that means and why that's a value that we hold tightly. Because sometimes this phrase, Word and Spirit, uh, if you've been in around our church for any amount of time, can be kind of like a buzzword that we use a lot but we don't really know what it means, okay? So it's like if you're watching an infomercial and they're advertising a pair of socks that have nanotechnology. Well, only a few people in the world actually know what nanotechnology is, but everyone thinks it sounds cool, right? Especially in a pair of socks, okay? And so we don't want word and spirit to become like one of those words, like gluten-free, that... Now, if you have a legitimate gluten allergy, I'm not coming on you, but if you ask a lot of people, nobody really knows what in the wide world a gluten is, but everybody's pretty sure they hate it, okay? (laughs) And so, we don't want word and spirit to become like one of those words. I went to a gluten-free five-year-old birthday party last year, and I was offered the choice between a beet burger and a quinoa burger. And I had never heard what a quinoa was, so I went with that because I was pretty sure I hated beets. And I was hoping that maybe it was like a relative of the alpaca, (laughs) or maybe like a cousin of the emu or something. It wasn't. It was gluten-free, though, and it was pretty much free of everything else. Except texture. It was not free of texture. 
And so the phrase word and spirit in a church setting can be thrown around like nanotechnology and gluten-free, and it can become one of these buzzwords that everybody talks about, but nobody really knows what it means, okay? And if we do that, it can become pretty bland and tasteless, just like the Kiwam burger that I ate. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to read the whole chapter. It's only 10 verses. And we'll jump off from there as to what Word and Spirit means and why it's a value that we hold tightly. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and the Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our Gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your Son has delivered us from the wrath to come. We thank You for our great salvation. And uh, we just pray, Father, that You would uh, extend Your grace to us this morning. As we look at Your Word, we pray that Your Spirit would open our eyes so that we could behold the wonderful things contained in it, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to understand. And we want to preach. Uh, we want to learn from Your Word. And so we don't want to just go off of little phrases that we've made up. We want to know what Your uh, heart is for the church and Your vision for what the church should be. And so we ask that You would do that this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. So, in this passage we just read, we have Paul sending a letter uh, to the church in Thessalonica. And he just reminds them, look, when I came to you, I preached the gospel, the gospel that Jesus came to save sinners. And it wasn't just in words. My message came with power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. And so, when you see how Paul writes to all of these New Testament churches, you see over and over again an emphasis on the Word of God and on the Spirit of God. And so this building churches empowered by God's Word and Spirit isn't just something we dreamed up and thought it sounded nice. Uh, It's rooted in what we see in the Bible. It's a value we feel we share with the churches we read about in the New Testament. And even deeper than that, It's what we see in the life of Jesus Himself, right? 
Over and over and over again, Jesus goes back to the Word of God. He quotes the Word of God. He interprets the Word of God. It's always coming back. He's always coming back to Isaiah, the prophets, the Psalms, always pointing them back to the Word of God. And at the same time, over and over and over again, especially if you read the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is led by the Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is on Him. And so, it's a... It's a it's a balance that we see not just in New Testament churches, but it's what we see in the life of Jesus Himself. So it's not something that we just feel is attractive or trendy. We feel that it's a biblical thing to have a church empowered by God's Word and His Spirit. So we'll come back here to First Thessalonians in a minute, but we're going to break from here and just help get a definition of what we mean by this phrase, because I don't want to keep going without getting some parameters so we're all on the same page about what we're talking about. So, what does it mean when we say we want to build a church empowered by God's Word and Spirit? So, to divine it, we first need to say that we believe in both, right? We believe in the Word of God, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. But we need to say a lot more than that because pretty much every church in existence, even if they've set up camp way out in left field, would say that they believe in the Word of God and they believe in the Holy Spirit. So it starts there, but it needs to be a lot more than that. So from there, usually what we would say is that, yeah, we have a belief in the Holy Spirit. Well, why, why is this emphasis on the Word of Spirit? Oh, well, we have a proper balance of the Word and the Spirit, Right? That's often what is said. We have a proper balance of the Word and Spirit, which is fine and hopefully true, but not overly helpful either because if you go to any church again, they're all going to say that they have a proper balance of the Word and Spirit, right? You're not going to go into any church anywhere and hear someone say, I just love my church because we have such a disregard for the Word of God, right? You're not going to go in and there's not going to be a plaque that says such and such a church ignoring the Holy Spirit since 1946. (laughs) Right? It's not going to happen. Everyone believes they have a proper balance of the Word and the Spirit. And so we need to say a lot more than that. No matter if they're the King James Bible authorized church or the Tongues of Fire Church of the Anointing, they're all going to feel that they have the right balance. And so, on top of that, if you're anything like me, if, if we're talking about we have the right balance of the Word and Spirit, you think of a balance, a set of scales, right? And it's not an overly helpful picture uh, because it's not really a relationship that we see in the Bible between the Word and the Spirit. And it creates a tension that doesn't actually exist. It kind of gives us this idea that as we grow in the Holy Spirit or pursue the Holy Spirit, we do so at the neglect of the Word of God. Or as we study and memorize Scripture and our focus is on the Word, then we're ignoring the Holy Spirit. And and it's just not an overly helpful picture. And so you often hear people say, all I want is the solid truth of God's Word. Right? And you, so you say, oh, well, what about being filled with the Spirit? What about desiring 
His gifts. And the response can be, following God is about understanding what God has done, knowing the truth, and being set free. I want to chew on some meat. I don't want to chase after experiences. Okay? That's the one side over here when we have this seesaw mentality. And then you come over here, and this person says, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to speak in tongues. I want to prophesy. Oh, what have you been reading in the Bible lately? I don't read the Bible much. I just find it so boring. My relationship is with God, not with the book. Okay? So those would be the two extremes on this seesaw of the balance of the Word and the Spirit. And we put the two in places they've never meant to be and then interact with them in ways that we never should and that we were never meant to. So we need to say more than belief and we need to say more than just a balance, even though we do want a balance, but it's just not helpful to actually... uh, for people to understand what we're actually saying when we say that. And so we actually need to define what we mean by each of those things, by the Word and by the Spirit. So to define this, I'll turn things over to a guy named Andrew Wilson because he says things a lot better than I do. And so he says, to be worth using then, the phrase Word and Spirit needs clarity And my suggestion is that it should function as shorthand for two convictions that are by no means universally shared. Word, we are committed to the absolute authority and accuracy of Scripture, even when it flies in the face of church tradition, contemporary culture, or intellectual fashion. And spirit, we are committed to experiencing and not merely believing in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit today, eagerly desiring spiritual gifts and especially prophecy, taking the book of Acts as a vision of what church life can be rather than a record of what it once was, and pursuing the baptism in and filling with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to read those again just because this is pretty much the foundation of all that we're saying here. So word, we are committed to the absolute authority and accuracy of Scripture even when it flies in the face of church tradition, contemporary culture, or intellectual fashion. And spirit, we are committed to experiencing and not merely believing in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit today, eagerly desiring spiritual gifts and especially prophecy, taking the book of Acts as a vision of what church life can be rather than a record of what it once was and pursuing the baptism in and filling with the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the Word, what we're saying, as a church, we are committed to the absolute authority and accuracy of the Bible, no matter what it might come against, no matter what cultural opposition it might lead us into, no matter what way of thinking our world changes, or what even some churches change into, we want to stand on the Word of God. We're not going to water it down. We're not going to pretty it up. We're not going to read it like Thomas Jefferson with a razor and take out the pieces that we don't like. We want the full Word of God. We see it as having authority, and we see it as being accurate for our life. 
And so <clears throat> we don't worship the Bible, but we love the Bible because Jesus loved it, the Holy Spirit wrote it, and it points us to God the Father. So if you attend our membership course, which we just had one on Thursday night, and if you were there, I think it was a great time. I enjoyed it. And uh, if you look in our membership handbook, uh, we spell out what we believe about the Bible. And there's another membership course this Wednesday, 7 to 9 p.m., 487 Brunswick Street. Register online, www.christcentral.ca. <laughs> encourage you to be there. But this is what you'll hear under what we believe. It says, we accept the Bible, including the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament, as the written Word of God. The Bible is inspired by God. It was written by human authors, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and without error in the original manuscripts. The Bible has supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. The Bible is totally sufficient in that it contains all the written words of revelation from God that He intended humanity to have. We believe the Bible is complete and must not be added to, superseded, or changed. The Bible's purpose isn't just to inform, but to transform. We should not treat the Bible as a textbook to study, but as the living, active, life-giving Word of God. This is key. The Bible is to to be believed as God's instruction in all that it teaches, obeyed as God's command in all that it requires, and trusted as God's pledge in all that it promises, as God's people hear, believe, apply, and live according to the Word. They are equipped as disciples of Christ and witnesses to the Gospel. That's where we stand when we're talking about the Word. Okay? So when we say a church is empowered by the Word of God, that's what we're saying. At the same time, when we talk about the Spirit, we're saying that we as a church are committed to not just believing in the Holy Spirit, but to experience Him. Desiring spiritual gifts, pursuing His power in our lives, seeing the book of Acts not just as a record of church history, but as an example of church vision. So we realize that we're not there, we're not happy with where we're at, we want to keep going in that direction. We see Acts as a vision for what the church can and should be, and not just a record of what it once was a long time ago. So <clears throat> we want to just not just believe in the Spirit, we want to experience the Spirit. And I would, it's kind of like this, all right? The Smith family, so my dad's family, is huge, okay? So my dad has seven siblings. Many of them have lots of children, and it just goes out from there. And so when Nathaniel, my oldest, was born, he was my grandmother's 50th grandchild and great-grandchild. By the time Aaliyah was born 19 months later, she was her 60th grandchild. And when I asked her when Peyton was born, my third, she basically quoted Hosea 1, the children are too great to be numbered or measured. (laughs) And so the family is huge, and many of them I have never met, right? And so when you look at some churches, they treat the Holy Spirit the same way I treat my cousins. I know they exist. I believe they exist. I've seen their picture hanging in my grandmother's house. But at the same time, I've never talked to them. They've never been in my house. I don't talk about them to anyone else. They've never given me a gift. 
But do I believe in them? Yes, I believe in them wholeheartedly. But have I experienced them? No. I've never heard their voice, but I believe they exist. And that's the same way a lot of people come at the Holy Spirit. Do they believe in Him? Yes, they believe in Him. But He's not in their house. He's not a part of their lives. They've never heard His voice. He's never given them a gift. They've never wanted Him to give them a gift. And so that's the difference between believing in and experiencing the Holy Spirit. We don't want the Holy Spirit to be like one of my distant cousins that we just see a picture on the wall, we believe they exist, we know their name, and never hear their voice, never feel their power, never be involved in our lives in any way. So, I remember John Piper saying once that we don't want to just know God or we don't want to just know God like we know about a hurricane by watching it on the weather network. We want to know God like we know a hurricane by flying in the middle on a hang glider. <clears throat> it's a good picture. Okay? So again, if you, if you look at our handbook, we say the Holy Spirit leads us to repentance and unites us to Christ in faith through the new birth. He dwells within believers to comfort counsel, empower, and lead them and gives them gifts to help them serve God and one another in the church. We believe that all the gifts of the Spirit continue today and are to be used for the building up of the body and the evangelism of the nations. In the context of a local church, believers receive pastoral care, leadership, and the opportunity to use the spiritual gifts that God has given them for His service. Through the ministries found in Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the local church is equipped for service and members are encouraged and enabled to mature and grow in their faith. The central aim of the church is to glorify God through worship, being filled with God's Spirit, making disciples, and communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. That's what we mean when we say we want to be a church empowered by the Spirit of God. We're committed to the authority and accuracy of the life-giving Word and committed to experiencing the power and the presence of the Spirit and understanding those two commitments in a way that there's no tension, but they work in harmony together. Because when we look at the Bible, we don't see the two opposing each other, right? We don't see them on opposite ends of the seesaw. In the Bible, we see that the Word and Spirit are much more in step with each other. So we're told to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We are told that the Word works in us, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We're told that the Spirit works in us, 2 Corinthians 3.18. If we abide in the Word... We will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. John 8, 31. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. And so, all through Scripture, you see the Word and the Spirit working together. In worship, we're to worship in spirit and truth. In working in us, in our sanctification, the Word does that. The Spirit does that. In freedom, in Christ... We dwell in the Word. We know the truth. The truth sets us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, 
there is freedom. And so, in the Bible, it's never like this, and it's never like this. It's always like this, Word and Spirit together. So if a picture is helpful when you look at Ephesians 6, the Bible gives a picture of how the Word and Spirit work together. And it says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, right? So when we talk about building a church founded on the Word and the Spirit, you shouldn't see those things in two separate hands because the Word is the sword in the Spirit's hands. And we can't separate the warrior from his weapon. We don't want a warriorless weapon, and we don't want a weaponless warrior. We want the two together. R.C. Sproul says, The Spirit works with the Word. He does not work against the Word or without the Word. The Word and the Spirit go together. Doctrine and life go together. To separate them is to frustrate the work of sanctification within us and grieve the Holy Spirit. So the more we experience the Spirit, the more we're driven back to the Word to see if what we're experiencing is lining up with truth. The more we read the Word, the more we see our great need for the Spirit. So it's fine to say that we want to have the right balance unless in your mind it creates a tension between the two. Dave Holden, a guy in in New Frontiers, says our desire is to have an equal passion for both. So do we want a balance? Yes, we want an equally consistent, ever-growing passion for the Word of God and the Spirit working in harmony together in our church. So, hopefully we're on the same page because we're going to go back to 1 Thessalonians and we're going to see how this plays out. It's not just all nice things. It's all, not just all head knowledge. We want to see how this plays out in the context of a local church. And so let's look back First Thessalonians and we'll focus in on verse 4. So First Thessalonians 4 is where Paul says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. And so, we don't know exactly what that looked like, uh, but it is evident that during those meetings when Paul met with the church in Thessalonica, he preached the Gospel, he preached from the Word, but also accompanied by that was some sort of power in the Holy Spirit, conviction from the Holy Spirit. There was something of the Holy Spirit's presence And there was something of power in the meeting so that the people who were there were convicted of the truth of the Word that they heard. They heard, but they saw, and they were impacted. So when we gather on a Sunday morning, the message that needs to come, the truth that needs to be declared, is from the Word. The truth that needs to be declared is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came to bring us to God, to cancel our debt, to cancel our shame, and to bring us into right relationship with our Father. In our worship times, we sing songs that are full of truth. They are full of the greatness of God. They are full of the greatness of the good news of our salvation. Most of them are taken right out of Scripture. We're not just singing 
fluffy, puffy love songs to Jesus. We want solid truth because that's what lifts us. That's what sets us free. We don't want songs that are just drained of the greatness of God and ignorant of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our salvation. We're supposed to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so, on a Sunday morning, when we encourage contributions, when we encourage you uh, to come to the mic and share, reading Scripture is a part of that. We love to hear the Word of God. We want our meetings to be saturated with the Word of God, right? So, if you feel a certain amount of weight over bringing spiritual gifts, maybe God's just laid a Scripture on your heart that you feel you want to bring forward, okay? So I encourage you to do that, right? We want to hear the Word of God. And then in our preaching, when myself or Joe or Gary or others come up to preach, we're not just preaching nice stories. We're not just preaching from a book that we've read. We want to preach the Word of God. And so we went through Hebrews over the past year. We went through Psalms last summer. We're going to go through Psalms again. We want to understand God through His Word. Because like I said, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, we preached and you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it was, the Word of God, which works in you. And so that's why we want to focus on the Word, because it's the Word that works in us. Not, not fun little stories or cute little poems and we all go home. We want to hear the Word of God because it's the Word of God that works in us to change us. The Spirit takes the Word and He works it in our hearts. And that's what brings conviction where we've gone astray. It's what brings encouragement in our distress. The, wor- the Bible says that His Word is like rain falling on a seed and causing growth. And that's what we want on a Sunday morning. We want to be saturated with the Word of God because that's what's going to make us grow, to be encouraged by the promises that He's made in His Word. So that's why we don't want to lose the Word on a Sunday morning. Jesus said that we don't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so if the Word of God is not proclaimed over and over on Sunday morning, if our meetings like this are not full of the Word of God, we will go home hungry. We will not be satisfied. So we want to feast on the Word every Sunday morning when we gather. At the same time, just like in Thessalonica, we don't want it to be words only. We want to see the Holy Spirit move in power. Paul tells the Corinthian church that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we don't just say spiritual gifts are for today, but in your home, it's just between you and God. It's just a private setting. They're for the common good. And so when we meet together, we want to see spiritual gifts come because it encourages us. It lifts our faith. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, it seems that there's so many gifts being being brought that Paul says we've got to have some order here. Okay, so he says there's three over here with tongues and there's three over here with prophecies. And let's get some order to this. Don't forbid it. Don't condemn it. Don't toss it aside as unimportant. It's very important. But let's come in with some order. And that's what 
That's what we want. The, the church in Corinth, from what we read in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it was just teeming with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we encourage spiritual gifts during worship. We want to hear the Spirit speak to us through prophetic words and pictures. We want to hear tongues and interpretation. We want to pray for the sick, see the Spirit heal. We also pray for the Spirit to do His work during the sermon. We pray for the Spirit to be on our worship leaders and our musicians. We want the morning meeting to be full of the presence of the Spirit of God. We want Him to lead us in the way that He wants. So we want to be a church where the Word of God is living and active when we meet on a Sunday morning, where there's power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving. It's teeming with life so much so that it's, it's almost impossible for someone to fall asleep on a Sunday morning because there's so much life from the Word of God moving, and now you're all waking up. Come on. There we go. Where there's so much life moving from the Word of God and from the Spirit that it's just alive, and you can't fall asleep. And if you do, it's like Acts 20, and you fall off your chair and die, and God raises you to life never to fall asleep in church again. You read Acts 20. Paul's preaching the Word of God for hours. The dude falls out the window and dies, and God wakes him up in church with his own resurrection. That's the kind of church that we want. That's a church that's full of the life of the Word of God and full of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a church that I want to be a part of. But our emphasis on the Word and Spirit is much bigger than just a Sunday morning. And I think our tendency sometimes is when we're talking about building churches empowered by Word and Spirit, we just think, preach the Word on a Sunday morning, take breaks during singing to bring in some spiritual gifts, equals building church empowered by Word and Spirit. But it's a lot more than that. And if it's a value that we carry, if it's something that's a vision for the church that we want to be, then its roots need to go deeper than just two hours on a Sunday morning. So if you look back at 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, the end of verse 5, he says, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And so, Paul's saying this message he preached, the gospel in power, he proved by how he lived his life, and they became imitators of that. So when we talk about word and spirit churches, what we're talking about is word and spirit people. We're not just talking about how we run meetings or what we emphasize on a Sunday morning. What we see on Sunday morning needs to be imitated in life. So Ephesians 5 18 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, right? So as Christians, we should have a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to see the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives. Paul says to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy, not just to desire them, but to earnestly desire desire the spiritual gifts. And at the same time, 
Paul says in Colossians 3.16 that we need to have the Word of God dwelling in us richly. Not just dwelling in us, but dwelling in us richly. We need to have the truths of God's Word soaking in our hearts so that when the pressure rises in your, in your workplace or you're, you're in some, some trial and the temperature gets turned up, those things boil to the top. Those truths of God's Word in your heart. When Satan comes with doubts and fears, you can fight him just like Jesus fought him with the truth of God's Word that's dwelling richly in your mind. And even when you go about your day, when the Word of God's dwelling richly in your mind, you go about your day and there's things that are just triggering God's promises, right? Even something simple like you're just feeling the weight of financial stress or you're feeling that God doesn't care and then you're walking to work and you see, you know, like uh, you see a bird on a limb and Matthew 6 comes to mind. If He cares for the bird and feeds him and he has a nest of how much more value am I, right? The Word of God is dwelling in your mind richly and you're encouraged by seeing a little pigeon walking on the sidewalk, okay? We need to have the Word of God dwelling in our mind richly. It's not just about checking a box or following a routine. So if you're, you know, I understand work is busy. If you're in university and you've got all the workload and you've got kids and you've got work and you've fallen into a bit of a a rut, it's not just about sitting down, getting your thing in, good, got it done. It's about seeking a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about pursuing God. We need to have the Word of God dwelling in our minds richly. So a Word and Spirit church is full of people who earnestly desire spiritual gifts and have the Word of God dwelling in them richly. So maybe you lean more to one side than the other, but you need to see that they go hand in hand. When we pray to be filled with the Spirit, we're just asking for the author of the Word to dwell in our lives. When we come to the Word, we're asking that the Spirit who wrote it would open our eyes so that we can understand it. They're hand in hand. So, when we're talking about building churches empowered by God's Word and Spirit, we're talking about building people empowered by God's Word and Spirit. It's not just a big overarching thing. It's about you and you and you and you. It's about individual lives. It is about us together, but it's about our individual lives and the other six days of the week building our lives empowered by God's Word and spirit and that's what we want to that's what we want to build and that's why we love praying for you we love providing resources to help you get in the word <clears throat> because we want to see you living your life in the word and in the spirit of god we want to see people approaching the whole of their life with the word and the spirit in their workplaces with the word and the spirit leading their families in the Word and in the Spirit. 
We want to teach our kids about the Word and the Spirit and raise them with an understanding of God's Word and talking to them about who the Holy Spirit is and what He's like and what He does. You can start with the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we did this winter. Taught the kids the fruit of the Spirit. Made little actions for everything. Now Peyton, three years old, she can rattle off the fruit of the Spirit and she's beginning to get an understanding of the character and the work of who the Spirit is and what He does. And that way, when she's watching TV and Dora tells Boots that he needs to be patient, I can bring it back to the Word of God and the work of the Spirit in her life, right? So, oh, he needs to be patient. Where have we heard that word before? It's the fruit of the Spirit. And then there we go. And so you can take a stupid little 15-minute Spanish cartoon and bring it back to the Word of God and the Spirit in her life. That's what we want. That's raising your kids in the Word and in the Spirit of God. And so, we need to be a people that passionately pursue the Word and the Spirit in a fuller measure. And then that works itself through every area of church life. It works itself in our tag meetings tonight. It works itself in life groups and how we relate to each other. It works itself pastorally. We're going to point you back to the truth of God's Word. And at the same time, we're going to recognize that our battle isn't against flesh and blood and that we're going to pray for the Spirit to heal. We're going to pray for the Spirit to deliver. We're going to pray for the Spirit to do His work because it's a spiritual battle. And so when this is permeated through each of our lives, Sunday morning will be affected. If you read Colossians 3.16, he says the Word of God dwells in you richly. The result of that is hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. When you go back to Ephesians 5.18, he says be filled with the Spirit. Does anyone know what the result is? Hymns, psalms, spiritual songs. Same result. Word of God dwelling in your mind richly, bursting forth into worship. Being filled with the Spirit, bursting forth into worship. So if we're a people that passionately pursue being filled with the Spirit of God and have the Word of God dwelling in us richly, when we come together on a Sunday morning, we should explode in worship to God. It should just be like a big joy bomb going off Sunday at 10 o'clock as all these people who have been through the week dwelling in the Word of God, the Word of God is in them richly. They're pursuing and earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. It doesn't have to just be Sunday morning. God might give you something Wednesday afternoon that He wants you to bring Sunday morning. Okay? It's not always spontaneous, right? It might be Tuesday you're sitting behind your desk and God says, this is a, a prophetic word I want you to bring Sunday morning. Then those things were just teeming and boiling. You get us together and boom! We give God the worship that He's due. The last thing we see, 1 Thessalonians verse 7. It says, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything so he says 
you became an example to other believers. We don't think that we've got it all figured out. We do see it as a value that we hold and a vision that we want to move more into. And we recognize that we have lots of room for growth. But it's what our, where our heart is and what we want to see our church become more and more. And we think that because of that, like we see here, we can become a model to other churches because we want to see more and more churches. We're not just about building Fredericton. Do we have a passion for Fredericton? Yes. And we pray for Fredericton. We love Fredericton. We work to see the gospel go forth in Fredericton. But we want to build churches, plural. And so we want to see the church be alive and thriving in Charlottetown and in Halifax. We want the word to go forth so that there can be more and more people experiencing the Word and the Spirit and coming in to a church that holds those values. And so we don't think we have it all figured out, but it's what we want to see. We want to see it go forth. We want to become a model that people can look at and then go in it as well. And we recognize that humbly, but it's exciting, and it's 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 an exciting part of church life. We want... We want the message to go forth because we want to see people come to know Christ. It's not about just holding a bunch of values and this is who we are. It's about seeing people come to know Jesus Christ and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth because He's their Savior and He's died for them on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word and we thank You for the presence of of your spirit. We thank you that you haven't left us as orphans, but you're here with us. And we just humble ourselves under you and we just say that we want more of you. We want your word to dwell in us richly. We want to be filled with your spirit. We want to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so we pray, Father, that you would speak to us now. Your spirit would speak to us. Show us where we need to grow. Show us where we need to walk in. Encourage us in this uh, because we need, your, we need Your power and we need Your strength. And so just like Your Word says, You promise to work in us that which is pleasing in Your sight. And so we just open ourselves to You and we say we want to be pleasing in Your sight. We want the Word of God in us. We want to hold it fast so that when things come up, we know the powerful truth and the promises of your word. We want to live in that. We want to walk in that. And we want the power and the presence of your spirit to affect every area of our life. We don't want him to be a distant cousin that we just know by name only. We want him in our house. We want him at our workplace. We want to walk and be led and be filled with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And so we just ask that you would do that for us individually and as a church as a whole. We want to give you the worship that you're due. In Jesus' name, amen.